You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to be dissecting the Blake Wheeler contract, the biggest news coming from the Winnipeg Jets in several weeks. So we'll be talking about how this affects the team right now, how this is going to look in a few years, and how it's going to affect the rest of the team in a few years. So all of that and more on today's show. First up, Blake Wheeler signing a new contract with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I think this kind of came out of nowhere for both of us. Uh, we were talking a lot about Josh Morrissey's contract in our last podcast, and we were looking at kind of free agents, and we weren't looking too much ahead to Blake Wheeler and Patrick Laine, but I think it makes sense especially to get Blake Wheeler's contract done early because just like we're going to hear all this next year about Eric Carlson getting traded and like we heard about John Tavares, it's nonstop trade talk when there's a high-profile a guy who's set to become a UFA. And so Wheeler just kind of puts that all to rest. And the team, uh, I didn't hear a lot of talk about this prior. I think I heard one conversation about it on the radio. But kind of just looking at this contract, what are your initial thoughts? So if people haven't heard, and I'm pretty sure anybody who's listening to this podcast has heard the news, it's a five-year contract extension that kicks in after this next season. Uh, It's an average of $8.25 million. So that's 41 $0.25 $0.25 million total for the entire contract. Uh, I haven't heard anything about no trade clauses or any clauses. Uh, uh, there is, actually. There is? Okay. Yeah, so uh, as far as I'm aware, as of right now, a three-year full no-move clause for the first three seasons. For the fourth and fifth seasons, a modified no-move clause. Not sure on the details of the modified no-move no clause. Uh, usually it's a submitting a list of teams you cannot be traded to or, or that sort of stipulation. Uh, so there is actually that clause as well. And, and just, yeah, those kind of the contract details, if you will. Um, the timing is maybe a little bit interesting to me. Uh, obviously, Josh Morrissey needs to be signed. He needs to be signed soon because he can't play as of right now. He has no contract. Wheeler could have played this whole season. And we know from previous experience, specifically the Lad bufflin situation a few years ago, of all the rumors that start to swirl if you keep going into a season, especially with your captain being without an extension. So I'm glad Wheeler got it done. And so now is this a sign of his leadership? that he recognizes the distraction that it can create. He wants to be a Winnipeg Jet, and so now he decides to negotiate with Kevin Cheveldayoff. Or do you think that's just something that we're reading too much into? Well, I think it's almost the other way around. Kevin Cheveldayoff sees Wheeler and Fair, says, okay. this is the guy that needs to be done first but because some guys of those could, things. But some guys could say, nah, I don't want to worry about it now. I'll just wait till the end. Right, and that's why I think it has probably to be mutual. It's probably a little bit both parties. Cheveldayoff probably has this as a priority. Obviously, I think Morrissey should also be a priority because he can't play like I said Um, but yeah definitely good to get him done and you don't have to worry about these rumors so now we can just talk about whether or not the deal was good or not all right so that's where we're gonna go good deal bad deal Kyle your thoughts somewhere in the middle well I I definitely think somewhere in the middle Blake Wheeler is a guy you want on your hockey team He's a superstar in this league. He's an all-star. He's he's all you want in a captain. He's all you want in a player. He can play number one minutes. He can play with the, the best players in the world. He had 91 points last year. For all purposes, he's a guy you want signed on your team. There's no question about that. And he's big. He's fast. He plays in both ends. He's 6'5", 225. He's been incredibly durable. The last three seasons, 81 games, and then that was because he was held out of that one game kind of just as a healthy getting ready for the playoffs. 82, 82, 79, 82, 48. That was the lockout. Where they only played 48. Exactly. 80 games, 
23 and 58. That's the one season where he got traded from Boston to Atlanta. So those are the two totals. 82-81. This guy is incredibly drawn. And that's his entire career. So that's basically every season he has hardly missed any time with injury. And again, we don't want to jinx him. Nothing like that. But for somebody like that who's in big, fast, strong, durable, who can put play on your top line, he can play power play like wherever you need him. Yeah, he's the guy you want on your team. Leadership points. We know how much leadership points can count. <laughs> well, well, it's different for a captain. It's different for and a captain. And you don't want to That's sign a, a guy like Matt Hendricks to a five-year deal because of his leadership. Exactly. And that makes no sense. But for a guy who is your captain, it's always a little bit different. It has to be. And who can play. Exactly. So it's not a, a Dustin Brown situation or a, a something like that. It's a guy who's a, a career almost point of game player, maybe not quite, um, but approaching that mark last year, he was a point of game. But he, he is your leader on the ice. He is your leader off the ice. He is probably the most important player in the Jets locker room. And one of the other things, too, is that it's not a case of a player who's just peaked. And yes, you can say he peaked at 91 points this last season. And that obviously has to do with how much money he's getting on this next contract. But he's a player who's consistently put up points. 74 points in 82 games, 78 points in 82 games, 61 points in 79 games, 69 points in 82 games. That's the last four seasons before this 91-point outburst from Blake Wheeler. So as a player who's done it consistently, you can trust that a little bit more. So that's all the good things about Blake Wheeler. Uh, There's a lot to like about this contract. There, There really is. But there's always two sides to a contract. Well, and just before we get to that, we talked actually this last weekend about when you and me were just kind of hanging out, not on the podcast, and our wives tuned us out at this point of uh, us hanging out. But we were talking about how much is Blake Wheeler worth if he's going to sign a contract for the Winnipeg Jets. And there was talk of, do you make him the highest paid player on the team? And at the moment, now with this new contract, he will have the highest cap hit just surpassing Dustin Bufflin, who's just below $8 million. And we both talked about how many years would you want Blake Wheeler. I think both of us kind of agreed three would be great, four would be okay, be, just if that's what it takes to keep him. And then here the Winnipeg Jets go five. Yeah, so... And that kind of takes us into the second part here. Yeah, and the second part is the term itself, 8.25, is not is not a bad term necessarily for a guy like Blake Wheeler. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are scoring 90 points. They get paid more than that. And it is what it is. There are maybe guys who get paid a little bit less who are on team Mark friendly Shifley. deals. Exactly. A guy like Mark Shifley. That being said, it's not an outrageous cap hit for your captain, best player, most important player. It's not outrageous. I think if you were going to sign him to a three-year deal, the cap hit would have been nearing double digits. Probably. To get, to get only three years. Yeah. To get four years, you might be looking at nine, potentially. Maybe, yeah, the longer you put it up, the, or the longer you go, the lower the cap hit. Yeah, so I think that's why, I think it's actually maybe a generous cap hit right now for Blake Wheeler services, um, and that's why it is that extra maybe year to add the fifth year to it. Um, so, the bad parts of the contract, right now, Blake Wheeler is 32 years old, just turned 32 last week, happy birthday, Blake Wheeler. If you're listening to the show. Yeah, um, so in a year from now, when his contract actually starts, he will be 33 years old. Just want to say his contract right now is less than $6 million a year. So the Jets have really been getting a bargain that they haven't really been able to take advantage of. Yeah. Well, to a degree, like they haven't been spending near the cap. No, exactly. So Blake Wheeler will be 33, 34, 35, 36, and 37 
during this contract, right? The next five years. 37-year-olds generally aren't playing in the NHL anymore. That's just the fact of the NHL nowadays. Fun fact, how many 37-year-olds are playing in the NHL right now? Less than five? Ten? 37 or older? There can't be many, right? We see these NHL journeymen who, who are in their early 30s can't find contracts nowadays. That's not Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler's talented. But let's go into the numbers a little bit. I'm a numbers guy. Let's talk about the numbers a little bit. So Blake Wheeler, like Cody said before, very consistent points. He's in the 60s, 70s, all the way around there. His points per game has stayed roughly 0.8 to 0.9 points per game for the last seven seasons. He's very consistent, 0.8 to 0.9 points a game. This last season, all of a sudden, he shot through the roof and was at 1.12 points per game. His assist levels were off the charts. His goal total stayed pretty much normal, but his assist levels were off the charts. What do you make of this? I'll tell you what I think later, but what do you make of this sudden outburst of scoring at 32 years old? Well, I know you attribute a lot of that to the power play and his power play time. I I don't really know what to attribute it to because you look at all of the numbers previous, it stayed so consistent. Is it maybe just because the Jets are finally a better team? Maybe you have teams not keying as much on Blake Wheeler as what we've seen in the past because there's been a lot of years where he has been the only line. And yeah, him and Shifley are still getting top D pairings against them. Maybe that has part to do with it. I know you're probably going to say a power play has a lot to do with it and you're laughing because I'm stealing your thunder. But I don't know. I think that's probably part of it. And and when you take a look at those assists, like you said, playing with good line mates in Mark Shifley finally, I think, getting closer to his peak as well. That's got to be a part of it. Yeah, so... Blake Wheeler's goal totals relatively consistent throughout his career. His assist totals relatively consistent, except for this past season. So why is that? That was a question I just asked. Well, I will answer it for you. It is entirely because of power play production. When you're looking at Blake Wheeler's assists from last season, he had 34 on the power play. Wow. Okay? Yep. That is more than double his best career high up until that point. So Blake Wheeler's previous career high in power play assists was 16, and that was two years ago. Last year, Blake Wheeler over doubled that production in one season. That is the only reason Blake Wheeler was more than a point per game player, specifically because he has Patrick Laine. I I was looking at the heat maps of the Winnipeg Jets power play. When Blake Wheeler is on the ice, there is three giant circles of where the Jets shoot from. It's Shifley in the middle of the slot, it's Bufflin from the point, and it's Line a on his hash mark when you're looking at those heat maps. So that's three Blake Wheeler's three favorite passing targets just routinely scoring goals on the power play. So Blake Wheeler's point totals, the, the point of all this is that Blake Wheeler's point totals are, are only above a point per game because of his extreme power play production more so than any other year he's ever had in his career. His 5-on-5 five five, five numbers virtually identical to every other season Last season was no better than the rest. So Blake Wheeler is a very similar player than we've seen in years past. He's not actually peaking right now. So really you could say that with this consistency and with the fact that he has better line mates now and should have better line mate shooters with him on the power play like Patrick Line, with consistent usage, his numbers should stay higher, kind of like what we saw this last year. Yeah, so in my 
opinion, there's kind of, there's two options, obviously. Either this is the new normal and he's getting 34 power play assists every year now for the next four or five years for the duration of this contract. Hopefully the next six. Which is possible. Not super likely because they were going at a very high percentage as power play. Could turn into one of the best power plays in the league given the weapons. Or maybe Line A rings it off the post a couple times, can't find the back of the net in the power play. If you remember Line A as well, 20 goals on the power play, led the entire NHL in power play goals last year as well. Can he duplicate that? Possibly. Can he do it every single year for the next five seasons? Well, probably not. So it's entirely possible this is the new normal for Blake Wheeler and he gets 90 points or more every single season, or he regresses slightly back to where he was two years ago, three years ago, or for his entire career up until this point, I'm more likely to side with the history rather than the one aberration of last season. Yeah, and I don't know if he's necessarily going to be getting 91 points every time for these next few years, especially on this new contract. And and we say, and we talk about age, and we talk about how old he's going to be at the end, and what's the peak right now? The prime, if the, you look at all the averages and numbers, it's around 27, I think, right? For NHL players, and I think it's even trending lower than that. Yeah, uh, super subjective. To not get super stats heavy, um, there's a definite bias in those numbers, um, being the fact that older players generally... So the only older players that are currently in the NHL are the older players that were superstars when they were younger. So right. there's, a, there's an age bias that the, the actual average age is much lower because once guys hit 30, they're out of the league now. So the actual peaking age is more like 23, 24, 25. Because the only guys who are old bringing up that age difference is the guys who are superstars when they were younger. And you don't hear about all those other guys that have already retired or, or that don't make it onto clubs anymore just because they're older. So it's actually maybe even younger than some people think a peaking age is. Right. and the, But the thing is, though, that every player is different. And we see uh, the kind of the common thought is that goaltenders tend to develop later. Mid-20s isn't unheard of to have a starting goaltender finally make it into it as a starter. And uh, we see with defensemen, kind of the common thought has been that you need to be a little bit older to be a starting defenseman. That trend has kind of been gone, going by the wayside as well. But I think that obviously... There's always anomalies and there's always the exception to the rule. And as a Winnipeg Jets fan, we're hoping that Blake Wheeler is the exception to the rule. But you look at some of the other players and uh, Joe Thornton comes to mind as a player who has played. You actually kind of look at this similar contract or similar uh, story uh, started with the Boston Bruins. Fairly high draft pick. Obviously, uh, for Joe Thornton, he was number one overall. Uh, but he played a number of seasons in Boston. I don't know if you can remember that far back. But then going to San Jose just after the lockout. And then he's been with the Sharks ever since. And here's a guy who has been the model of consistency that basically the Winnipeg Jets hope Blake Wheeler becomes. Uh, this last year, uh, a down season for Thornton because of injury, only playing 47 games. Uh, but again, it's still... 36 points in 47 games, and this last season, Joe Thornton is 39 years old, or he was 38 during this last season. He had a birthday in the summer, but you look at that, and that is just a model of consistency. He had uh, the se season before when he was uh, 37, uh, the year when this will end for the Winnipeg Jets. He had 50 points in 79 games. The year before that, he was at point a game, 82 and 82. He was 65 and 78. He, he's had some good numbers. And you could argue that Thornton is a better player 
than Blake Wheeler, but they're both big guys who have been fairly durable in their careers, who are passers, whose game is about making other guys score. I think it's a... Do you think that's a fair comparison? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think Joe Thornton has that higher-end skill, obviously. Um, A a guy who was scoring over 100 points in some seasons or in the very... In the 90s for multiple seasons, so so maybe that higher end skill in the in the peak of his career. Um, so we definitely see that drop off a little bit from his peak, maybe the 10, 15 percent from his peak years. And then now when he's older, uh, rumors have it Joe Thornton might hardly even be in the lineup anymore. Uh, just can't keep up anymore. He, he's just too old now at 39. Uh, last year is a little bit of a problem. He's still getting his points but did not look as good as he used to out there. You can tell he's slower. Kind of with kind of like Yager, where in his 40s, it's a different play style, uh, having a big guy like that because they're so cerebral and such smart players. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's maybe Joe Thornton can keep up a little, or Joe Thornton doesn't have to keep up. He's never really thrived off his speed compared to a guy like Blake Wheeler. So that's kind of my next point is, what's the playing style of Blake Wheeler and how will it hold up when he gets older? Well, and that's the thing you point out, and I think that a guy who's smart passing the puck and who is a playmaker, that can translate when you're older. Just getting to the areas to get the puck might change a little bit slightly over the years and how he does that. Yeah, because my thought is when you watch Blake Wheeler, he thrives off of speed, right? He's a very fast player running around everywhere. He can join the rush quickly. That's how he gets a lot of his points is being hard on the puck and that type of player. My worry is that might be one of the first things to go as he ages. Uh, The last thing to point out, my last pessimistic part, um, talking some advanced stats here about Blake Wheeler, uh, his Corsi 4 percentage is actually down a lot this past season. It was was still hovering around 50%, but the previous three years before that was all around 55%. Uh, And this is with playing with Mark Shifley, it was only down to about 50%. You could argue that was maybe because when he went to center, when Shifley was hurt, that factors in a little bit. Regardless, still not great. Uh, looking at if he makes other players better, the with-without-you charts for Blake Wheeler, not great. He, he's not making a lot of his teammates better with him on the ice. Some teammates performing better without Blake Wheeler as a line mate. Uh, most of them performing right around expected as you would get when they're by themselves, when they're with Wheeler, without Wheeler, it doesn't really matter. He's not really actually increasing some of these other players' value that's as surprising. he would in other years, I would say. Uh, so that's maybe kind of the, one of the last things that might be, are we starting to see Blake Wheeler slip already in terms of those advanced stats? And is he still just racking up the points because he's playing with one of the best goal scorers in the world? Right, and so that's, I guess, what the Winnipeg Jets decided. They decided that uh, he still can keep this up for the next six years and paying him a lot of money to do that. And so then now, as the conversation is switches, and this has just been one really long segment, uh, we can kind of go to one last part of this, is that how does this affect the Jets contract-wise going forward? And let's, let's take, the, take that into uh, uh, segment number two. So up next, looking at this Blake Wheeler contract, uh, where does it fit in with the rest of the team going forward? Obviously, this next season doesn't matter because he's still on his old contract, but once it gets bumped up by $3 million, where is that going to be coming out of? Yeah, so it's tough. Uh, the Jets are not in a great situation in in regards to the cap world as of next season, or this next season, they're fine. The year after that, it's going to be a little bit tough. Uh, obviously, Patrick Laine needs to be um, signed to a contract as well. This begs the question, what does Patrick Laine sign for now that Blake Wheeler's at 8.25, does Laine get more or less? 
What do you I think? Would, uh, I want to say less, but I'm going to say more. Just because I think Wheeler's more of a complete player, but Wheeler's older, Line's younger, still going to get better, just about to hit his prime. I would say he's probably going to get more. He's probably going to get closer to 10, probably I, north of I, 9. I would agree with you on that. Um, I think the Jets will try to say Wheeler's our captain, our best player. He should be the highest paid player in negotiation processes. Uh, good luck trying that. I don't think it'll work, like you said. Um, but looking at the cap situation, uh, as per cap friendly, um, as of next season or two years from now, when these deals kick in, there's $27 million in space um, and you only have 11 players signed. So that means 11 players are taking up $54 million or so of cap space in two years from now. That does not count Liony. That does not count Connor. That doesn't count Morrissey because he doesn't have a contract. You're taking all these guys out of there. If you say Line makes eight as a deal, Connor makes four as a deal, Morrissey maybe makes around five. That only leaves you $10 million to sign another eight players in two years' time. That's going to be a lot of depth signings. That pretty much leaves no room for Jacob Truba. Um, Jacob Truba is as good as gone in this current situation. Um, I don't think it'll work. So you're going to have to have some sort of cap casualty. Maybe it's Brian Little gets traded away. Maybe it's Matthew Perot gets traded away. Maybe it's Kyle Connor has to get traded away because there's no other options. So there's a lot of things that this implies going forward, and the Jets might have to lose one of their roster players just due to the cap crunch. And well, the thing is, they're spending a lot of money up front with these contracts. Shifley making 6.1, Ehlers making 6, 8.25 for Wheeler, Little's making five point, almost 5.3, Perot's making 4.1, Adam Lowry's making 3, rounding up slightly by like $90,000. Uh, but then you look at those other guys, like you said, who still need contracts, Line A, Connor, uh, Tanev, Cop. But again, those are minor deals. And then again, on the back end, Tyler Myers' contract, though, his $5.5 million comes off the books once uh, Wheelers kicks in. And the one thing, though, to, to note is that when you take a look at the, the big jump is the Patrick Liney and the Kyle Connor contracts because Wheeler's contract really is only going up by less than $3 million. So you're only paying, because Blake Wheeler is already on the books, you're really only just subtracting two million for this eight million dollar deal, or you're subtracting three million from your cap. If that makes sense, you know, you know what I'm saying here, right? Yes. So I think the big thing is to try and fit in those other guys. You're going to have to lose Myers, get in a cheaper option, maybe promote Pullman a little bit more. Uh, I think Kulikov's going to have to go with that four point three three. Get rid of those guys for sure. That's nine, almost ten million dollars just between the two of them, and then you can use that money for upfront. Yeah, I and, think you're going to have to. And my, my quick calculations, uh, leaving $10 million in cap space, that's with Myers already off the books, uh, but that still includes Kulikov. But it, it still doesn't mean, like, you can't sign all these guys. You just can't, especially if Rozlovic has a good year. Uh, he'll be signed to a, a decent contract as well. It's going to be tough to bring in this talent. Well, see, Rozlovic technically still has two years left on his deal, so it's still one more year to figure out Rozlovic. Right, but that doesn't really yeah, help you no, because... No, well, it Connor, helps you for one year. Helps you for one year, but how long is Wheeler signed for? Well, five more years. Shifley's still on the books. Ehlers is still a lot. Little's still on the books, and Perot's still on the books. See, the then. problem is Little. And uh, the problem, too, up front is Little and Perot, because these are guys who aren't high-impact guys who are making $9 million between Perot and Little. 
And so when you take those two guys who are basically a second, and if all of a sudden we see Rozovic pass him, you're paying now $5 million for Brian Little on a third-line center, $3 million for Lowry as your fourth-line center, and that is a lot of money for that depth. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's definitely expensive. Uh, the one thing to kind of note in all of this is that the Winnipeg Jets are actually a cap team. They've never actually, which is nice. They've never actually been to the ceiling before. Uh, if you look at Cap Friendly tweeting out the other day, uh, with the performance bonuses of the rookies and the ELCs, Jets are actually within half a million dollars of the salary cap. Uh, Kevin Shevelyev has been adamant in the past with those performance bonuses. He still wants to be under the cap um, because otherwise there, there's the penalties and whatnot going on. Um, so definitely interesting how he's going to work that. Um, with line A's and bonuses and, and Connor Rozovic, all those types of bonuses coming up. Have to factor that in. Because hopefully they hit them. Have to factor that in as well. Uh, but like you said, it is just nice to be a, a team that is willing to spend. I think this now signifies to the rest of the league that the Jets are they're in it to win it. And I remember the conversation a few years ago. The Jets are never going to be a cap team. We saw these the guys on Twitter and the, guy, the casual fan the Jets are never going to be a cap team. They just suck. They don't know what's going on. But if you look, the Jets do know what's going on. They've built this team to have some high-end prospects. They are winning games. They've got their spending to the cap. And we've always said all along, well, when the Jets are contenders, they'll spend to the cap. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, the last thing this signifies, like you said, is their, their window to win is now this Blake Wheeler contract. And it's as simple as that. When Blake Wheeler's leaving, there's the changing of the guard for captaincy. Obviously, Mark Scheifele's probably in line to be the next captain. But in four or five years down the road, you're losing Wheeler, Bufflin, Little Perot won't be around. You're, you're going to be losing those first-generation guys. And, and those guys are still valuable pieces to your lineup. As of right now, I think you're in win-now mode for from now to the next probably three or four years and if that doesn't happen, you're kind of have to re- kind of retool a little bit and wait for that next generation to kind of take over. I think the next generation will be taking over by the time this one's done, because the next generation is Shifley, is Ehlers, is Connor, Rozovic, Line. Those five guys, and they're already doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Oh yeah. I, and so by the time we by the time Wheeler's done, those guys are going to be in the mid prime, and they're going to be already by far the leaders. I agree, but you see time and time again, windows to win the Stanley Cup don't last long. Chicago's window is firmly closed. You can say maybe it lasted the last seven or eight years. Most teams do not last that long. So I think if you're saying the Jets will be contenders four years down the road because the next generation comes up and they're going to be contenders for another five or six years after that, I think you're kidding yourself because what team is a contender for 10 straight seasons? Well, you see certain teams like the Detroit Red Wings made the playoffs for over 20 years straight. They were a team that was very good at drafting and picking guys late. And they were a team that made the playoffs for over 20 years. And they won two cups in the late 90s. They won another cup in the early 2000s. They won another cup again around 2010. And they were making the playoffs all those years in between, giving their teams hope. And so the Jets want to be that. Yes, it's nice to win three cups in however many years like Chicago did. But what Detroit did in their dynasty, if you will, it's not even really even a dynasty, but making the playoffs that many years in a row, that's what you strive for. And making a team that's consistently in the playoffs that has a chance, I think is worth a lot too. Not necessarily their cup favorites, but if you're a team that's in the playoffs comfortably, giving your, te- your city a chance, 
that's all I think what we want. And I think that could be open for a while. Yeah, I agree. I think they could be a playoff team for 10, 15 years. But but I think that contending status right now, if you think who are the biggest contenders for the Stanley Cup, everybody says Nashville, everybody says Tampa Bay, everybody says Winnipeg. Those are your top three cup contenders right now. I don't think you'll be that type of contender for 10 years in a row. I think that labeling of a contender will now last for most of Blake Wheeler's contract. And then you're going to maybe have to retool to get back to that status. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I am uh, right there with you. So that pretty much uh, sums up what we wanted to talk about today. Is there anything else you wanted to quickly highlight or mention? No, that's pretty much it. We, I think we covered the contract pretty well. Yeah, that's pretty much the entire topic today. That's pretty big news when your captain signs that big a deal. Players starting to roll back into Winnipeg. Uh, guys starting to get back around the rink. So we're starting to get little clips and little uh, bits of audio here and there. So that's uh, really exciting to hear again. And so I'm sure we'll have more news here over the next couple of weeks. And we'll keep podcasting. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, AJ at the Jet Centric Podcast for uh, getting me on their show uh, just the other day. I had fun with that, of course. You can give them a listen, give us a listen. Just wanting more people uh, watching, listening, reading about the Winnipeg Jets uh, here in our great province. Well, that does it for us. If you want us to talk about anything on the show, hit us up at Jets and Podcast. And you've been listening to another episode. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.